Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I'm sharing the audio version of our live Q&A for the Taproom Success membership. If you want to learn more about that, you can go to taproomsuccess.com and there you'll find all the tools you'll need to build a successful taproom business. So in the podcast today, you are going to hear me and Andrew Copeland talking about the lessons that we've learned over the last couple of weeks, some best practices that we've learned from other taproom owners and managers. We're going to dig in on how are folks dealing with not having enough staff, what are some best practices in terms of recruiting and retention. We'll dig in on the 2021 beer industry recap, talk about kind of macro-level trends in the beer industry, portfolio, uh, package trends, things of that nature. And then we'll dig in on some taproom key metrics, different things that you can think about as we head into February and putting that February focus on your taproom metrics. So for now, please enjoy the audio version of our Taproom Success Membership live Q&A. So I'm flying through books these days, and you know a lot of the books I'm reading are about how to build a community and how to bring people together. And you know, running craft beer professionals, I always want to find better ways to engage with everyone in the craft beer professionals community. But I think this ties directly into people building that community in tap rooms. And what I'm reading right now is a book called Super Fans by Pat Flynn. And the subtitle is The Easy Way to Stand Out, Grow Your Tribe, and Build a Successful Business. And like I mentioned, you know, whether you're building an online community or whether you're, you know, building that taproom community, it's, I think it's really relevant. There's some cool takeaways for it. It's a really quick read. It's probably about 200 pages as well. And I probably have about 50 to go. But there are a couple big takeaways that I think could apply to everyone watching today. And the first is, you know, think about all the regulars in your taproom. How often are you asking them what they want, whether it's what they want to drink or merchandise items that they would like to see in stock? This book dares you every week, ask 10 people, what do you want? What can I do better? And for me, you know, wearing my crappy professionals hat, you know, I shot an email out to 10 different people. I took my email list. I randomized it. I went down the first 10 people on it, shot a basic email, said, hey, you know, hope you're doing well. I know you're the tapper manager at XYZ Brewery. I know you're the marketing person at so-and-so. You know, how's everything going in your world? What are your goals? Is there anything I can do better for you? Let's hop on a Zoom. So I shot out 10 of those this week, but for everyone who's a tapper manager, you know, ask your regulars or ask that first time guest. Ask them about the experience, what they would like better. I think, you know, so often we assume that guests will speak up if they have something to say, but sometimes be a little more proactive, you know, jump on them and say, you know, hey, Carrie, what would you like to see on a Friday night here in our tap room? So that was a really cool takeaway. And it kind of motivated me to put a 30 minute block on my schedule to make sure I'm reaching out to 10 new people each week. So for everyone watching, you know, do the same thing, find 10 people you can talk to 
over the week. And, you know, there's a lot of takeaways. So I could probably talk about this book for a while. And, you know, the next thing that I really like that it said, and it almost seems like common sense, but we live in such a social world that this takes relevancy all day long. You know, it simply said, speak the language of your fans. And when you, what that means is, you know, what words do they want to say? Are you talking in some sort of lingo your fans aren't going to understand or respond to? And what this book encourages you to do is, you know, listen to the conversations your, you know, fans are having or your taproom guests are having. Are they using certain words? Are they typing certain things on the internet? And take your messaging the same way. Sometimes repeat what they're saying. They're going to connect with you if you're speaking their language. If you're, you know, imagine a situation where you go to the doctor's office and they're using all these big words. You have no idea what they mean. But then you have the doctor that just breaks it down, kind of like you do for finance, Carrie. You make it just super easy to understand. You know, make it digestible for everyone that you're interacting with, whether in person or on the internet. Don't overwhelm that first time guest with big words, you know, related to the brewing process that they have no idea what they mean. You know, learn the words they're speaking and maybe you got to dumb it down. Maybe you got to get super technical with that home brewer who wants to try to one up you, but try to speak their lingo. And I thought that was a pretty cool takeaway. I know, I know it kind of makes common sense, but it kind of ties into, like I said, that virtual and in-person experience and look at the messaging you're using on social media. Does it correspond with the person you want to come to your tap room? You know, make sure they match. So that was a fun takeaway. And in Carrie, I'm going to keep them coming because I'm excited with this book. And I think you'll appreciate this because it's a conversation we've had. You know, this applies really to the social media messaging you put it out there. They give you two things to do. First off, paint an image of the life the guests will have when they visit your tap room. You know, give them that pretty image of, hey, you're going to get this when you come visit us on a Saturday afternoon. You're going to get puppies from the local rescue and you're going to get delicious beers that we're releasing and it's going to make you super happy. Let them know the emotions that they're going to feel and give them that urgency to come visit. But on the flip side, there's a lot of fear of missing out in craft beer. You can almost say, hey, you know, if you don't come visit this Saturday and you got to be really careful using that negative a bit. You could say if you don't come visit this Saturday, you might miss out on your one chance to experience this super awesome event or try this one time a year beer that we're releasing. Give them that sense of urgency. And personally, I'm going to keep it positive nine out of 10 times. But there could be that one time I take that negative skew. And once I, I put out an article 10 things your taproom staff should not be doing right now. And I can put a link into the comments on this one as well. And I hated writing this article. I really, really did because I was talking about the negatives. But guess what? People really enjoyed it. In the world where you have just a few seconds to capture someone's attention, people sometimes like to know things they shouldn't do. So it had a lot of positive feedback for a negative article. So, I mean, Give your guests a reason to visit and let them know what they're going to miss out on if they don't visit. And here's another thing. This ties directly into events. And Carrie, you and I have had a lot of talks recently on events. We see trivia nights. We see special beer releases. You know, every brewery has that constant cycle of let's just call them routine events. Do something out of the ordinary. Do something when the guest is on your website or in your Facebook feed and you're just scrolling through. They're like, whoa. I've never seen that before. That blows my mind. There's a brewery near me. And I hope my wife's not listening right now because I plan on doing this. On Valentine's Day, they have Renew Your Vows with Elvis. I'm like, whoa, that sounds awesome. Like I've never seen that before. So it made me stop scrolling. In the world, we have like three seconds to capture someone's attention. It made me stop scrolling and say, I got to do this. So it kind of ties back into, I don't want to miss out on that. 
And the last really neat takeaway from this book that I had, it really is what everything I just talked about, what it's going to do. When you successfully give these people, your guests, everyone you want to come hang out in your tapping room reason, they're going to talk to each other. And that's going to build a community of almost like-minded people with similar interests who want to have that shared community experience in your tap room. They came for the beer, but give them that you know communal reason to stay by just putting them in a room with people who want to have a fun time together. And that's going to be contagious. When your fans become friends, things spread even quicker. And that, that was a lot about this book, Super Fans, I'm reading. But I always love finding the ways that this book wasn't even meant for anything craft beer related. And I, I think they mentioned how these tech tactics can be used for a craft brewery in one little paragraph. But you can take away this approach that someone's using to build an online community and really just take it to the community you're trying to build in person. It's been a really good read. So I would recommend any tap room manager who's trying to think outside the box and learn from another industry because we can definitely learn from other industries. Dive into this book, Super Fans by Pat Flynn. It's a super easy read. And one of the challenges I've been giving myself kind of based on this book and a lot of the other books I've been reading lately, getting in that routine myself, making myself read 10 pages a day or 10 pages in the morning, 10 pages in the afternoon. And I found that giving myself dedicated time to doing certain things and just like tapper managers, all of you, you have so many hats that you wear. Get your calendar out, put that time on Monday afternoon. I'm going to certainly focus on dealing with food trucks. On Tuesday morning, I'm going to do with outreach to community partners. Give yourself those set times because when you have it on your calendar, I just think you're more likely to do it. You're giving yourself that self-accountability or find another chapter manager who's going through the same things and just touch base with them. But super fans, Pat Flynn, Carrie, I think you'd enjoy it too. I would enjoy it. And I like, you know, this, the premise of just asking the question, you know, we, very often we're trying to guess like what would be a cool idea or what would our you know, taproom guests like and, and et cetera, et cetera. And you know, very often the answer is right in front of you. They're sitting right there. Just go have a conversation. Um, and I don't know how often, you know, our members do it, but, you know, I think from my experience, it's not done very often or certainly not often enough. So you've got a whole, you've got a gold mine there and you're not always going to get um, great answers perhaps or the answer, but uh, interacting, you, you, you may surprise yourself. So I love that just simple concept that can really work. Yeah, there's so much we can learn from one another, especially your best customers. Yeah, absolutely. So let me let me ask you a question. I know you. We're, this is the segment where we kind of talk about what we've learned and what we're working on and things of that nature. And obviously a really big issue right now is staffing. So what have you been hearing about? What have you been learning about relative to brewery owners, taproom managers? How are they dealing with not having enough staff? Yeah, I think this has been a challenge for so many breweries almost over the, the past two years, whether it's COVID related, just not enough employees in the workforce in their area, people just calling out because they might be sick. I mean, first off, when someone messages you that afternoon and says they're not feeling well, of course, you're going to tell them don't come in. You don't want anyone sick in your tap room. And often, I think we're challenged with making the most of a bad situation sometimes. And really, I think this challenges tap room managers to most reevaluate your service model. You know, did you have a wait staff that went out to tables before if you were more of a brew pub and are you having to transition to more counter service? Look at the model that you're working and see what's going to work best with reduced staff. You know, and with regard to this, though, is still finding the ways to engage. But I would recommend to breweries right now when you are dealing with event low, lower staff than you would like to have. Always have that hiring channel open, whether you have a constant ad on Indeed or Craigslist, or you're simply reaching out to your guests in your tap room who you know are looking for a place of employment. 
Don't wait until your five employees short to start looking. Be a little proactive in doing so. You know, utilize your Instagram, utilize your Facebook. You can post jobs on all of those. It's a fine line sometimes when you bring in your best fan, best fans, so to speak, to be your employees. But be careful with that. But I think it's a challenge everybody's facing. I, I think it will get better. And often, like I said, you, you're going to have to make the most of a bad situation. And in your situations, Carrie, you know, what have you experienced with regards to staffing right now? Yeah, same, similar. You know, I, it's interesting because I think it's market specific. Um, so certain markets, you know, really, I'm not, I talked to, to tap promoters and they're like, no, no, we're fine right now. And then others, I'd say the majority, it's probably 60, 40, 70, 30 that are having real staffing shortages and challenges. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's tough, right? Cause you have work to do. So the, the knee jerk reaction is, um, yeah, I'm going to try to hire people, but I got to get the work done. I'm just going to go do it. So that's sort of a human reaction is just jumping in and rather Absolutely. than, you know, trying to, you know, maybe, maybe you hire an agency to help you out. And those, those are there, they are expensive, um, but they can, they can work. You got to do that um, cost benefit analysis. What's your time worth to go do it versus hiring someone uh, that can do the, the hiring and the staffing for you. Um, but by and large, yeah, this is a, you know, this is a problem that's across the industry in multiple industries. It's not going away. So yeah, we have to think about ways to get creative with it, get more efficient, you know, out delegate some of these tasks to bring people in. And I think it also dares a brewery owners, tapper managers to look outside the box of who you may be hiring. And my friends over at Lady Justice Brewing did something that I really admire. They put out a job description recently for beer tenders, you know, obviously serving beer in the tap room, interacting with guests. And it talked about the compensation. It talked about the hours. It talked about the responsibilities just like you would normally see in a job ad. But their motto, their mission is great beer better world. And they had a section in their job description that said, you should still apply if, and I'm going to read this really quickly. Number one, you don't have any craft beer experience. A positive attitude and a desire to learn are more important. Number two, you have been formerly incarcerated. Your past circumstances don't dictate your potential future. Number three, you think you are sort of qualified, but not 100%. Parallel skill sets are great. Don't sell yourself short. And I love that. You know, they credit Dr. J from the BA and others from, you know, teaching them how to have this outlook on life. And they recommend going through trainings like that for how you can be more diverse, inclusive, you know, equitable, things like that, which are absolutely fantastic. But I love reading this job description, seeing it inactive, active, because it simply encourages people, hey, I've never really thought about working in a brewery before. Maybe I could fit in here. But then it also gets breweries and tap rooms, you know, looking outside the box for candidates, you know, who might never have worked in craft beer, but could do a killer job behind the bar. Then it helps making your, your community more diverse as well. So that really impressed me. And I think in challenging times and always, we should be looking for unique applicants to come share our love in the tap room for that experience we want to create. And mm -hmm. Lady Justice did a great job with that. Yeah, that's good. You got to open up the lens, particularly now. Sorry, Carrie, my Alexa decided to talk to me real quick just now, always during our calls. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I think opening up the lens, particularly now, because, you know, we need additional candidates, but framing it in such a way that, you know, we will teach you the skills, right? So it does, I do think people self-select when they're looking for jobs, perhaps, and someone who might say, I'm you know, taproom, that'd be kind of awesome, but I'm, I don't know anything really about how to do that. So maybe I move on to the next one. 
Um, but that framing and that sort of marketing of their brewery and the position says, oh, wait a minute, you know, we'll, we'll teach you this stuff. So I think that's, that's a really creative way to go about it. I like that. No, absolutely. Now you're a data guy. So I want to dive into this question for you because I know you've been spending a lot of time with it. You've been looking at a lot of 2021 beer industry data. And I know you had a conversation with Lester Jones recently, the economist for the NBWA. Can you tell me about some of the takeaways you had from that call? Yeah, first of all, so the NBWA is the National Beer Wholesalers Association. That's essentially the equivalent of the Brewers Association, but for beer wholesalers and distributors. So they cover the beer industry. They get an amazing amount of stats and data and they dig all into it. And the conversation with Lester Jones, I'll share that with our members. So you can, if you'd like to, you can listen to the whole uh, conversation that we had. And he was just so excited. I wasn't sure coming into the conversation, like, oh, an economist. I mean, I've known Lester for, for years and years, but never really done an interview. So I didn't know what to expect. He was so excited. And he's, you know, we're on screen like this and he's jumping around and he's talking about U.S. Census data and TTB production reports and labor statistics. And I'm like, whoa, this guy's blowing my mind. He's going crazy. Um, and then we dug into all, we did a 2021 recap, sort of take me, you know, where did we finish? Uh, where are we going? What are your, you know, guesses for, you know, trends and so forth? And I'll share a few things uh, quickly here with folks. Uh, and then I can make these, uh, put these in a, in, a, in a post for people to uh, refer back to them. You know, but one of the questions was, you know, generally speaking, macro trends, what's the beer industry doing, right? Are we growing, are we shrinking. I think there's a general feeling like, well, craft is growing a little, but big beer is shrinking and in aggregate, we're probably going down because people are shifting to wine and spirits. And the data doesn't show that, you know, Lester's data shows basically in 2021, we finished up about a point and a half, 1.5% beer industry total consumption volume, which doesn't sound very impressive, but when you look at the last 10 years, year over year compounded growth rates, it's about 0.3%, or it's about five times bigger in, in, in another way to think about it. So that's a fairly positive trend. Now, going forward, it's hard to say whether that's going to continue, but he's optimistic that it is. So I think just at a macro level, you know, beer is not necessarily going away. Uh, so that's that was a very interesting takeaway. We talked a bit about seltzers. Now, if people can think about these things in terms of macro data, it's interesting, but I want to know, and, and maybe our members want to know, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, what would I, how would I use this data like to inform my decisions at, at my tap room? And, you know, these national statistics are interesting and whatnot, but I think it's useful to inform maybe your portfolio strategy. Like, do I want to add a seltzer? Do I have a seltzer? Do I want to put two handles of seltzer on? Do I want to, you know, offer more uh, variety in that? Do I, do I want to get out of seltzers altogether? Well, the macro trends are interesting because it's been in the news a lot, right? Seltzer blew up, was going crazy. You know, he describes it that the factors around the pandemic were almost ideal for this category to just explode. You know, people are stuck at home. It's entire, almost entirely an off-premise package. You know, it's in cans. It's, it's generally larger sizes and variety packs and so forth. So 2021 uh, or 2020, it really exploded. And then 2021 and future forecasts said, whoa, 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 the whole, the brakes are, are really on this thing. And while that's probably true, it's still a huge share of the category. It's almost a 10 share of alcoholic consumption, according to his data, which is pretty amazing. I mean, that's a huge um, amount of seltzer that's going on. So it's sticking around. The other takeaway was 
Um, so he's thinking it's it's probably found its its level. It's probably not going to it's going to continue to grow, but certainly not at the exponential numbers we've seen. Uh, but it's firmly established itself as a seasonal beverage, whereas before 2016, 17, 18, 19, it was kind of like it was pretty flat. You know, people in January, July, they're buying it. Now it's pretty much that summer seasonal beverage. So for folks that are thinking about it, the takeaways, at least from Lester, is not going away. It's still a good chunk of the market share, um, but really think about it as a seasonal product. And maybe that's where you sort of push it is in those warmer uh, summer months. So I could go on and I'll leave, I'll leave maybe with one more data point that I know is on my mind. Before probably, you get to that, Carrie, yeah, are yeah. you a seltzer drinker yourself? I, I, you know, I don't actually. I like, I like non-alcohol seltzer. I've always said, you know, the polar lemons and this splashy splash. I'm a straight up beer guy. You know, I've, I've tried to dabble in this and that even mixture. It's just not for me. I just love beer. So I, I stay with what I know and very happy to be there. I'm on your team as well. So nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, it brings their own, right? Yeah. Teach their own. It brings people into the space. I, you know, I can totally see how it's a refreshing beverage um, and should be part of what, well, if, if it fits your, your brewing model, uh, part of your portfolio. Um, but lastly, on-premise outlook. So right. Everything shut down. It's coming back. Where did we finish up? Uh, he's got 2021 results about 80% of where 2019 was. So if we all think like 2019 was kind of normal, 2020 was anything, but uh, we're about 80% of, and he expects that to get back. He's optimistic. He's bullish on it. Um, obviously, so much is related to what's going to happen uh, with the pandemic, but generally speaking, he sees positive trends there on the on-premise, and that can only be good uh, for our taproom businesses. So lots more data to dig into, but I think the, the takeaways are that there's reason to be optimistic going forward. Um, and there's different ways you can kind of take this data and maybe shape your, your portfolio uh, as we go forward here at 22. Now, we've talked a lot about Lester's data just now, but let's talk about some of the data that you love. Look at yeah. February, you're focusing on key taproom metrics that breweries should be monitoring. What are the top three? Let's put it down to three of those metrics that you think are really important right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So yes, Feb, this is you just kind of pick focus months, and I've picked February as a focus month for key metrics. It really should be every month, but you know, just to you, people will sort of tune out on it. So I'm I'm bringing it back now. I this is a little bit um, of an unsatisfactory answer, but I'll but I'm going to say it anyway. The big the big three for me always uh, are really sales margins and profitability. Or if you want to substitute cash flow, that's good too. So when we look at sales, it's like we want to have a plan. We want to have a sales forecast. And then we want to look at how we're doing relative to the plan. Really easy and straightforward. Not always done. So we set the plan. We're still early enough. We could do that. And then do the same thing for your margins. Look at your portfolio. You know, what are you selling? What are your formats that you're selling? What are the different margin levels within each of those? And not just beverages, right? You can look at your merchandise. You can look at, um, you know, maybe uh, different clubs that you have rolling. Uh, events, things of this nature, and really looking at what your margins are there, and then your overall profitability. Um, so it really starts with have a plan, measure against measure actual results against the plan, look at any variations or deviations, um, and you will know sooner than later if you're if you're kind of on track or off track. So we're gonna I'm gonna dig in on those are financial metrics, sales margins and profitability, but then also looking at sort of those operational numbers. You know, we talked to Errol Mo recently from Stoneface Brewing, um, and I like kind of some of the things, wrote him down here in terms of what he was looking. He looks at um, 
basically he's, he's got food in their tap room, right? So he looks at food costs uh, as a percentage of total food sales, uh, and he looks at total number of orders. So he doesn't have a ton of metrics, but as it comes to managing his food business, those are kind of the things that he'll benchmark off of. So we'll get into cash flow metrics, super important now. Uh, you know, we're running out of these. There's no longer these um, aid relief packages from the governments out there. So we really need to focus on our cash management strategy. Um, and then we'll dig in on, you know, some some loans, some financing. If you've got loans, really kind of how to watch that stuff. So lots of goodies on the key metrics there. Love it. Yeah. So let me turn it back to you. Um, you know, we're talking about staffing. And we're talking about different ways to bring people in, some creative ways to kind of do that. So how do you think about these days, like how to maintain your staff better for the long term? Yeah, you and I have talked about this quite a bit before in detail. And even on our last conversation, I think maintaining and motivating almost go hand in hand. You know, what are you doing in your tap room and at your brewery that can make people want to stick around? And first off, just like talking to those 10 regulars, like we mentioned earlier, are you asking your staff what their goals are? You know, why is someone working there? You know, are they working there just to make ends meet? Are they working because they want to be a future brewery owner? Really understand your staff just like you understand their guests. And once you understand them, you know, you're not going to treat every guest the same in your tap room. You're going to craft that unique experience for each. And I dare you to do the same for each staff member you have. You know, look at Carrie's needs, look at Andrew's needs, look at everyone else's needs and craft that perfect experience for them. But I think the goal shouldn't just be to hire someone and just have that flat line. It just stays consistent. Think outside of the box of ways you can motivate your team to want to stick around, whether it's giving them the opportunity to grow with you, whether it's just giving them the bonuses every quarter, whether it's having some sort of contest, not just in your tap room, but even back of house, some following some key metric that Kerry can give you that's fun to monitor over time and seeing growth. Give people a reason to still get excited because I think once you start to look at a job as a job and you take the fun out of it, and I was reading something recently that said, so often we hear that it says to follow your passion. But you know what? That's not always an option for everybody. You know, think out, you know, sometimes a passion is something you really enjoy, but you can't always make a career out of it. But when you kind of apply this to your tap room, you know, is working in a tap room someone's passion or is it what they're good at? And taking that theory, find something you're good at and becoming passionate. It's kind of like the chicken and the egg situation, which came first. Were you passionate about it first? Or you got passionate about it because you did it. Find ways to make people passionate about being someone who works for your brand. And, you know, I think that'll give them the reason to stick around. And just like your tap room, you're going to build that community there. Have that same community with your staff where everybody enjoys being around one another because people don't enjoy, you know, being in the same room or interacting, but just at work, you know, they're not going to want to stick around. They're not going to have that added attachment to your brewery. You're a family. You want everyone to feel part of it. And, you know, I know it really kind of piggybacks on our relationship talk and our motivation talk, but I really believe constantly finding ways to engage with your team and to understand their needs will motivate them to stick around a little bit longer. Yeah, I would agree. And that's going to make your job easier with regard to hiring right now. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, as you were talking, it made me think of um, one of the monthly experts that we had on, uh, Joe Kundal, and he has a tool called the predictive index, right? So it's basically, you know, for, for, for a relatable term, it's, it's not really a personality, but it's kind of like it, it digs in and says, you know, what are your core skills, your core strengths, you know, what, what is your sort of uh, behavioral makeup? And, and this isn't just like, oh, let's, let's answer some questions and, 
these are these are in service of getting to know your staff people better as people um, so that you can find those motivation points you know what is going to be something how do you how can you relate to them better you know kind of what makes them tick in a way um, and, and when you do this test for yourself you know you do kind of learn things about yourself as well that can help you conduct yourself perhaps differently so if you know uh, just as an example maybe as a taproom manager and you're working with staff and maybe they they're not really, are they not, not listening to me? You know, it could be a circumstance where you're just talking too much. You know, they, they might call this an over explainer. You know, it's like maybe your staff needs, maybe you're working with a staff person that really has to take time to process information. These are just examples. But if you feel like you've got real communication breakdown, there's different ways to kind of approach it. You know, look internally, what can I do differently? Look at the, the recipient of this information. Oh, I see they, they maybe process information differently. Um, so that's just a fairly small example, but then you can dig in on, you know, again, what their, what their motivations are, what their passions are, what are they, what are really things that they're looking at? And then you can, you know, look at staff development, personal development, professional development. People are not just coming to a job to pour beer anymore. It doesn't, it's not enough, right? you got to be a coach. you got to be a mentor. you got to provide them these opportunities. And there are tools out there that can help make that a little bit easier because conceptually that all sounds really good. But once you get down uh, to level of, of perhaps what these tools and uh, can provide, it just gives you more of a straight line to kind of get what you want. Absolutely. And going back to the job description for a beer tender for Lady Justice, you know, they're not necessarily looking for someone who knows everything about beer already. You can hire that person who's motivated, is excited to work. Then you can Put them through the Cicerone program. You can give them, you know, the opportunity to go say the University of Vermont's, you know, beer program, and you know, learn online. These opportunities are available, and education is a great way to take some entry level employee of your team and make them super knowledgeable and more attached to what you're doing because they will become passionate about it. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I love education as a tool to motivate. No doubt. No or doubt. buy them a book. You know, spend ten bucks and buy them a book goes a long way. It really does. I mean, people, not everybody's going to like it. I've done that where, I've, you know, people like, well, God, this is fantastic. You know, and they'll come back and we'll talk about it. And others are like a book, you know, so you got, you do have to know your audience. Uh, but I think ge generally speaking, you're right. I mean, it's a nice gift and it shows that you care about him. You're trying to uh, share some knowledge for sure. And Carrie, I'm going to throw a curveball at you right now. So you yeah. know that I have an assistant who helps me with a lot of things. He's a college student. He's going to be a doctor someday. My, my goal is to convince him not to be a doctor, but just to be an entrepreneur, and maybe even in the crap beverage industry. We'll see. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't want to derail his plans, but I think he's slowly becoming more of a craft beer person, which I love. So that, that's fantastic. But, you know, I'm constantly giving him more tasks to do. And he's doing great at them. Just the other day, I trained him how to do some email marketing with constant contact and he knocked it out right away. He, he did a killer job. And I was thinking about, you know, giving him a little bit more to add to his workload. And, you know, he's going to be going to med school in the fall, but claims he will have even more time to help me. And he's not working a whole lot, maybe five, six hours a week. So not a lot of hours. It's kind of beer money for him that he does. You know, he can do it at his convenience. It's great. So I was debating giving him some of the books that I've been reading lately and encouraging him to read it. And I would love for him to read these books because I think he'll enjoy it first off, but I think it'll make him even a better person, you know, for what we're doing. Now, the question for you is, should I pay him for his time reading these books? That's not even a question. Of course you should. Yes, I think you should. Absolutely. Because you've got to, I, I think, 
Um, this is interesting. Like you talked to different, I, I, I think it, I think it goes directly under the umbrella of when, when we're going to train employees, right. And it's not just because we're nice people. It's because we want, yes, we want to invest in them, build them up personally and professionally, but we're doing it because we anticipate that you're going to get a return on that investment. <laughs> so you got to make the investment first. So my answer would be, yes, I would. And I think, you know, you can obviously build it into your budget and cap it out and say, look, why don't you spend an hour or two a week? You know, I'll pay you for it. I think you'll 10x that, 100x that. You just, you just never know. But yes, I would. I would well, Carrie, you gave me the perfect setup because I knew you were going to say that. Now, you my follow up for you is, you know, the brewery owner who pays for their employee to go to the Cicerone program. You know, while they're learning, while they're going through the course, should that brewery owner pay for that time as well? Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one for me is even an easier yes. Like with you and, and uh, your assistant, that's sort of a freelancer relationship. So you might be like, well, it's not my employee. You know, I don't know. It's my employee, actually. It's but it. yeah. There. He's on the books. I, I guess maybe in my mind, I, I view it as it's kind of the same, but maybe a little bit different. So yes, so certainly as a, as a taproom owner and manager, you know, we ask our folks to go through Cicerone, absolutely pay for the time, even pay for, you know, a lot of times you see that incentive, some sort of carrot for completing it. And that can just be recognition. Uh, it could be, you know, they, you get a little badge or a pin or so you could have a ceremony. You have, um, but certainly yes, paying, paying for that time, I think is essential. Awesome. Well, taproom managers, put your employees through these programs because it's going to educate them, make them more valuable employees to win-win for everybody. Yeah. And I think to your original point, it's yes, you're going to, you're going to have a more engaged employee, but you're going to have someone that's likely going, everything is reciprocity here, right? You know, you got to trust your staff. They trust you and vice and It's a, it's a virtuous cycle, but you, when you invest in them, they're going to stay around longer, right? That's the goal. And then they're going to be hopefully a better employee. Um, but ultimately, that's going to that's going to keep you under the context of staffing. It's going to keep you better staffed. So you want to do things to really improve those retention rates for sure. No, oh, well, Carrie. As we wind down, you know, I want to focus on your focus of finance. You are a finance guy. You know, crap brewery financial training. That that's you. And we have a mutual friend in Jason Sleeman. And you know, a little plug real quick. You're going to be speaking at the Virginia CBP Connects event on like being taproom finances creating a taproom financial plan. And Jason's actually going to be speaking at our St. Louis event. So two of my favorite people in the industry coming to share their knowledge. I absolutely love it. But you had a conversation with Jason of United Community Bank the other day, and he focused on the craft beverage side of things. What are some of the market trends that you two talked about that taproom managers should be thinking about? And right. owner, of course, too. Yeah. Um, the first thing I would say, I'm, I'm going to answer that. In the, but the first thing I would say is that one of the, I think the biggest benefits of the Taproom Success membership and even just working in the industry is, is getting to network with and meet all these really cool people. And um, one of my fam uh, favorite authors is uh, John Steinbeck. And one of, you know, he writes, he's, he's obviously written a, a number of amazing books, but one of the things that he would say is what he's looking for in say a doctor, let's say, is a friend with specialized knowledge, right? It's kind of always looking for it. But, but it's a friend first. It's someone that you can really, you know, you trust, you build a relationship with. So I, I look at obviously you as this, as uh, and, and certainly Jason Sleeman is this. He's a guy that's, you know, he's a banker. Um, he understands the market, the finances, but he's also a friend. He's a good guy. So those are the people that you can build these relationships with. So as we bring people into the community, 
you know, it's not just, you know, to share some information here or there, maybe this will work, maybe it won't, but it's really to connect you, right? Um, and the other random thing I'll throw out here is we've been watching Boba Fett. Have you been watching this on Disney? I have not. Big Star Wars guy, yeah. Boba Fett, so the book of, uh, book of Boba Fett. Anyway, he says, you know, you can only get so far without a tribe because Boba Fett was the bounty hunter. You know, he's a solo, he's a guy, you know, he's the lone cowboy. Uh, but he realized, and you can only get so far on your own. So this is, you know, this membership, this network, these people that you can meet, you know, and it, and it, and it takes time and it takes sincerity, you know. Um, but Jason's a really good guy. And as far as market, so we, what we did is we had a conversation recently because I get uh, contacted quite a bit from, you know, taproom owners, brewery owners that are looking to either expand, you know, or buy new equipment. Uh, and they're like, you know, how do I go about this? You know, how do I find a loan? Where do I go to? How does it work? What should I think about? Um, and very often we'll talk through the sort of the, the details of that. Well, these are probably the things you need. Uh, but generally what I'll do is then I'll say, look, you should talk with Jason Sleeman, United Community Bank. Uh, he can help you out. Now, what he's seeing is that there, there are a lot of breweries still looking to expand looking to buy new equipment and a lot of breweries look still looking to start up, you know, despite the pandemic. So those are kind of the trends that he's seeing is that business is still, you know, definitely good in that regard. There's, he writes a lot of SBA loans. Uh, so there's sort of a specialized loan. They're really more geared towards those as the name implies small businesses. Um, but what I look at in addition to if a taproom owner that might be listening to this is like, well, we, you know, we are looking at a separate, a second location or a third location. Um, we would talk through the particulars of that and then have them talk to Jason about, all right, what am I going to need to pull together? How long is this going to take? You know, cause that's a big thing too, is, you know, very often when people want a loan, they like want it like now. Right. And it doesn't usually work that way. You know, you've got this process. So Jason can kind of walk us through, well, how long does that process take and what can I do to kind of expedite things? So we get into all the details of, you know, on the low side, maybe it's 45 days from start to funding. And on the high side, he's worked with clients that could take over a year. And a lot of that is just not getting, not understanding the information that you need and getting it um, so he can guide you through that process. But it's really under the cash, cash management plan so if you want to expand, you know, if you buy, want to buy that new equipment, or if you really just want to have a good working capital situation, you know, I'm a big advocate for having a line of credit, whether you use it or not. It's always nice to have it there. Um, so those are, those are things that, that he can help with. And I think from a trend perspective, you know, we're anticipating 22 being a lot better than 21, which is a lot better than 2020, but there's no guarantees, right? So you kind of hope for the best and plan for the worst. And part of your planning strategy should be cash flow management and working with someone like Jason. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, Get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.